Hello, and welcome to another Yale podcast. Don't do that. Don't this do is that. gross. If you feel like this a grape is... and you only have raisins, don't do that. You have two nostrils. Okay. This wins right. the most disgusting episode so far. It's something that I still do, and I still do it and love it. Don't do that. Look, awards are great. Some are obviously more prestigious than others. This month, coming up right here on this podcast. Speaking of things <laughs> that you may not want to know. Come sit in somebody's lap. Don't do that. People know I hire talent sometimes, so I get 500 business cards at the conference, too. Guess what? They stay in the room when I leave. They wanted a British accent. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. And I don't have any samples with a British accent. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome back to another VO podcast. Well, here we are again. It's another VO podcast. I'm here with, uh, uh, with, uh, I want to say Alden so bad. Instead of Alden. <laughs> Don't do it. I want to call his name wrong. Don't <laughs> I'm do here it. with Alden way up there in the Kansas City area. I'm here with Jake, who's out in Texas. It's actually and- Jock. Jock. I, I knew I'd get it wrong. Jacob. I guess, I'm telling you, I can mess I can mess up anything. And then here sits myself and our guest, Jay Rodney Turner. And we're only a few miles apart, but we're in our own homes today. But hey Jay Rodney, how are you? I'm good, Troy. How are you guys doing? Well, I'm doing okay. Living the dream. December. Come on now. Uh, I hung my stockings behind me with care so that, you know, hopefully they'll get filled up with work. There you go. <laughs> but, uh, jobs. Uh, right. Uh, Jake had had a, uh, had fielded an email we got a few weeks ago with, you know, someone asking a lot of questions about, you know, long form and audio books and all that. And he can kind of refer back to that. But we, we did an episode and talked some about e-learning and a lot of other stuff, but we did not really have the depth to go into the audiobook genre a lot and and uh jay rodney has narrated a bunch and uh, we'll get into numbers here in a minute but jake who was that uh who was yeah that we had uh erica calvert and uh this is the second time referencing her that's awesome first time we've done that <laughs> uh erica wrote in a last uh two weeks ago now um she said hey thanks love the podcast thanks for all your hard work and for sharing so much with your listeners uh, she wanted us to cover uh, narration, like long form narration and audiobooks. Uh, I think she's done a couple and she's found that she really enjoys doing them. Uh, she said, obviously, it can be less profitable given the amount of labor involved. But from her perspective, it's really enjoyable to dive into the characters and the plot. Um, so she really wanted to talk about, you know, um, whether audiobooks or e-learning, um, you know, what, what kind of techniques work better, for instance, like, you know, punch and roll versus clicker, um, and then maybe touching on vo- maintaining vocal health since, you know, it's a longer form. So you obviously got to take breaks every now and then give your vocal cords a rest, you know, or keeping track of the characters that she has to do or that one might have to do while they're recording an audiobook. And then also she wanted to know uh, how to find work in, um, in in audiobooks and maybe long-form narration as well. I mean, I know we kind of touched on ACX, but that's really all the three of us kind of knew, you know? Right, right. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I think we can be enlightened a little bit because uh, lay some numbers on us, Jay Rodney. You've done a few. Seven, eight, 14. <laughs> <laughs> a specific number you would like to have. Uh, whatever one you want to uh, throw. I think uh, it's right around 240 audiobooks. Um, oh, wow. It's wow. Been, been a lot of fun. Um, I still believe in many, many ways that I'm, you know, just beginning and feel mm-hmm. like a beginner still in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we can start wherever you want to start. Um, I will tell you that I think a couple of the most important things to 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 know before you get into audiobooks is number one, don't think this is a fast turnaround. You're going to get a bunch of work right off the bat. You've got to work at your craft. You've got to learn how to tell the story. And you have to learn how to tell the story so well that the author is the one who everybody believes is the hero, not the narrator. If they Mm -hmm. come away saying, oh man, he does millions of voices and they don't remember the story, who Mm. cares? You're not doing the author or the story any service. So you have to be able to tell the story. Well, the story is the star and not you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think that you also have to find really good coaches 
And when I search for a coach, no matter what it is, no matter what genre it is, I search for a coach who is successful in audiobook narration and is, is doing audiobook narration, not as a side job, but their coaching is the side job. And mm-hmm. they do it. And, and I've been very fortunate that almost all of my, in fact, all of my um, coaches have been uh, full-time audiobook narrators coaching on the side. Uh, a couple of them are Hall of Famers and Golden Voices. So um, through Audible and and uh, the, the APA and um, you just find them in Audiophile Magazine all the time. But um, so coaches, and then of course you have all the other technical things that you have to have like every other voice orders. You have to have a good a place to record from. You have to have uh, the ability to move around the rhythm of your family and even in some cases your neighborhood because, you know, everybody has suffered from the neighbor that's got the leaf blower going or whatever it is that's going. <laughs> uh, guys like Troy and I, you know, we probably don't suffer that thing because our neighbors are too far away. Right. Um, right. So, you know, we're, we're very fortunate. Um, but uh, you have to figure those things out. And then I think the best way to really find good quality work is to join the APA and then then become a member of that community. APA, mm-hmm. Audio Publishers Association, uh, you, of course, pre-COVID, it was all one way. We went to New York um, every May uh, in conjunction with the Book Expo, which now no longer exists, I think, subsequent to COVID. Um, and now Michelle Cobb, who's the executive director of the APA, I think they're doing it now in person one year, virtual the following year. And I think mm-hmm. 2024 is now virtual. 2023 was in person. And then they've moved the Audis, A-U-D-I-E, which is the Oscars of audiobook awards. Um, they've moved that from May when it was always subsequent to uh, the uh, APA conference to sometime in the, the spring, trying to get it into that that awards season, Oscars, Emmys, uh, Tonys, all those other awards mm-hmm. that you see. And I think they've been trying to capture that. And they always have very, very cool celebrities that host those things. And and it's uh, very, very cool when you have the opportunity to attend that. But attending APAC in person and virtually is your opportunity to put yourself and your voice in front of those people who would cast you. Um, for for a uh, for a job and for a book, and once you get on their radar, and they're always looking for, as uh, Penguin Random House called it, they're always looking for the next white whale. They're looking for Moby Dick. That's why their site is abtalent.com. Um, they're looking for that next voice. They're looking for someone new. Yeah, they, it's easy for them to know. Okay, I'll just go to go to Scott Brick or I'll go to Johnny Heller and they'll do these things for me because they're automatic. I don't have to work hard, mm-hmm. but when they find a new voice that they've never used before and they take a chance on you, you got to be able to knock it out of the park so mm-hmm. that you can then become one of their go-tos. And mm-hmm. uh, I've been fortunate with Tantor. They send me Westerns all the time. I can't believe I get Westerns, but I get it all the time. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I sound like a cowboy to so many people, but uh, um, it is my favorite work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I grew up on cowboy movies and stuff. Uh, I can't, I'll never forget my mom and dad took me to the opening of Fistful of Dollars with Clint Eastwood, thinking <laughs> it was just going to be another normal um, movie. And mom, I could feel mom cringing every time he shot somebody and uh, blood spurted out but but me i I thought it was the coolest thing in the world yeah 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 yeah. that that sounds like a a story of mine my parents wanted to go see walking tall and i i was probably i don't know eight years old maybe i wasn't very old so we were in the back seat and i can remember my mom pushing me and my brother's heads down every time we'd pop up to try to watch it no you lay down don't you watch this this is terrible you know yeah it was a lot of fun Uh, let's let's turn let's turn the clock back before audio books okay um and i know but i I, it'll be a surprise to these guys you uh i know you you served our country thank you for that oh yeah thank you very much you're most welcome and you came out of that and went into a uh a job that when i first saw it i went i really I was shocked. I thought that doesn't, it just at first wasn't a fit, but then I thought, yeah, it was. Tell them what you used to do. I spent uh, 
uh, four years in the Navy and 27 years with the Federal Aviation Administration as an air traffic controller. Uh, the okay, coolest job yeah, in the world. Yeah. What about that? That the is something job else. in the world, man. Coolest That's really job in the world. Cool. And, don't let anybody, and don't let anybody tell you it's stressful. That's crap. Um, <laughs> the, I, I will tell you that, that and, and this has happened, I, I had a kid uh, in, a, in a home um, while I was a controller not here in Tennessee and South Carolina, he came to do some plumbing. He was scared the whole time. He was scared because he wasn't good at his job. Yeah. And he said, I'm oh, sorry, yeah. I got to, I got to call a boss. Well, you have stress at your job if you're not good at it. Yeah. If you've promised somebody something and you can't deliver, which, you know, I mean, you just, you know, so if you're good at your job, you go to it every day. I looked forward to going to work every day. And because of federal regulations, they require you to retire. You get to work up to the very last day of the month in which you turn age 56. Wow. So I've, this, this, uh, this October, I've been retired for 10 years. It's been great. Yeah. Awesome. It was cool. That is cool. I wanted to ask you something, and this is not VO related. It's more so okay. related to that. And I, we don't have to get too deep into it because sure. we're not a deep podcast. But I take it you were an air traffic controller during 9-11. I was. Yeah. What was, was. Can you just is there anything about that day that I mean, I know, I know that they grounded all the flights, which had never really yeah. been done before. So some 40, 45 minutes it took us to get, I want to say 4,400 airplanes on the ground safely. Wow. Um, that seems uh, there's, fast. there's a lot of, unfortunately, I was a, I was a regional vice president of the union that represented uh, air traffic controllers. There's a lot of things that I know that I'm not allowed to talk about. Sure. Um, but there are, uh, we were, there was a group of us that was in New Orleans at a, at a meeting when it went down. Our national um, president was there, the FA administrator and the DOT secretary. And we had meetings and things of this nature. But yeah, it was one time. It was, it's really the last time uh, that I can remember uh, since 9-11 that the country really came together and didn't care what color you are, what gender you were, who you were sleeping with, where you were, what you were doing. Or you cared. We cared about each other. Hey, are right. you okay? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that's that's what that's really what what I remember the most about wow. that time. And the farther we get away from it, the f- more people forget that hey, we are really all in this together. Right. Right. Thank you for saying for right. sharing that. Yeah, I mean, again, we don't we won't go too in, into it yeah, at all. I mean, but that's it's just interesting. I've never obviously gotten a chance to talk to someone about that who was mm-hmm, in air sure. traffic control. But thank you. Okay. Yeah, that's some cool stuff. Cool yeah, stuff. I, mean, I, will, I will just say this: the men and women uh, of the towers in New York, because it was a clear day, that had to look out their tower windows and watch that unfold. Um, mm-hmm. they're they're really true heroes, and I like to tell people when they talk about uh, first responders on that day air traffic controllers were the first first responders mm-hmm. wow mm-hmm. wow mm-hmm. something yep. else something else and i agree you know we haven't been uh we were so good for a short time and we haven't been the same since and that's right that's yeah. pretty well the the thing so how did you make this transition you've retired you come home were you already planning to get into audio books or this after you got home and you retired and started looking at, I got to have something to do. Well, like almost, <laughs> ev- like almost everybody in voiceover, somebody sometime during your life has told you, wow, what a cool voice you have. You should be on the radio. You should do this. You should do that. Now my darling bride moved to, uh, moved here to Tennessee from East Tennessee from, uh, uh to Nashville, um, probably in the late eighties before I met her and after she graduated from high school and she tried to get into music business. So she had a lot of connections and she and I talked about, you know, we knew, and I want to say sometime around 2005, 2006, we started talking. Um, and, and two things came out of this. Number one, I needed to find something to do. And number two, she decided she'd like to try having children. And I thought, wait a minute, you know, I'm like, 47, 48. If you want to do this, we need to hurry. Um, so, you know, we'd made all that magic happen and we have a beautiful 16 year old daughter to, uh, for that. And my daughter, uh, is special needs, but she remembers how old I am because she can add 50 to her birthday and she knows exactly <laughs> how I'm going to, how old I'm going to be my next yep. birthday. 
So, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, being the oldest dad at you know, kindergarten is a pretty cool thing. You know, everybody yeah, thinks uh, you're granddad. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not good. Mike. And, you know, I like to tell people, yeah, my grandchildren are all much older than my daughter and it just confuses them. So, <laughs> yeah. um, we, uh, um, we, we sat down and we talked about, okay, what are we going to do? I'm not just going to sit on the porch and do nothing. You know, that's number one, not fruitful. Number two, money's not going to last that long, you know, Mm because the economy is never going to be just so stable that it just stays the same. Mm -hmm. So we started looking and in 2008, I want to say just before Riley turned one, I graduated from the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. They had a Nashville campus right near the airport off of uh, Elm Hill Pike. Um, Mm -hmm. Troy's uh, familiar with that. And it's real close to the airport. And it was an eight-week course. I did it on Tuesday and Thursday nights. It was great. It taught you everything you needed to know about behind the scenes in radio and behind the camera in TV. So you got to operate television equipment. You got to do the weather on a green screen. You got to uh, learn how to use Cool Edit Pro or what is, I guess is now Adobe Audition um, as it graduated and moved through. Um, all these cool pieces of equipment, um, the uh, the teleprompter and all this stuff that you got to learn how to operate. And it was very, very cool. And it was then that we had teachers tell you, hey, you know, go. And back then it was Craigslist. Go on Craigslist. You can look for work, blah, 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 before you graduate. Um, and I was at the same time, I was looking for voiceover coaches, you know. Um, and, and I've always, I guess because of my age, I was always a realist. I wasn't moving to California to try to be the next trailer guy. I wasn't, I wasn't going to, you know, go somewhere and be the next animation guy. I didn't want to do that. But I, I know that I've always been good at telling stories and a guy reached out to me, um, my very, very, very first audio book. Um, he reached out to me about, uh, it was a book about the Negro league baseball and it was a book he wrote and he was not publishing it through anybody. He just wanted me to record it. And I did an audition for him. He actually met, um, uh, a, a Negro league baseball player. And I can't, for the life of me, remember the, the the player's name, but he was very famous. He was called Double Duty. That was his nickname because he, I think he pitched and he caught. He did both. Uh, of course, not at the same time in the same game, right. but you know, that's, <laughs> that's the way he was. And these guys, the stories, I mean, he played and then he loved it. Um, and it's the only book, I think, that the first one I ever got that just came out on CD and wasn't published anywhere else. But he liked it. The author did. And I thought, OK, maybe this is something I should go to. So time goes on. You travel, you know, you're working. I'm, you know, got my quote unquote survivor job that I know I'm staying in until 56. So I began to, as technology and the Internet continued to improve, well, then I would look out and go, OK, now who can coach me on this? And we've got uh, a lot of good coaches around here locally. Uh, I coach with a gentleman named Joe Lesh, who um, uh, talked to me about a lot of uh, audiobooks. Um, I also, he connected me with Rodney Salisbury, um, who was a great uh, commercial VO uh, actor and coach out of LA. Um, I did some travel. I did some moving around. I know of, of going to coaches. Um, I went out to LA and got coached by Scott Brick and uh, Pat Fraley. Um, so while all this was going on, I was, you know, we were moving from Madison to, to Portland, which is, you know, about 30 miles out here in the farm away from, you know, the hustle and bustle of suburb, suburbia. And um, uh, Andy Arndt, who is, to me, the queen of, of audiobooks, she's a Hall of Famer, a golden voice. And she came to Nashville, I would say in 2015, I guess it was, and 2015 or, or yeah, 15 and said, and I asked her a question at the end of the session. I said, it was a group session, um, all about, uh, um, e-learning and audiobooks. And I said, okay, I've got roughly 25, 26 audiobooks under my belt, all through ACX. How do I go to the next step? What do I do to get publishers to know me? How do I do this? And she looked at me and said, oh, that's simple join the APA and come to APAC. 
And I thought, okay, so I only have two follow-up questions. He said, what's that? What's the APA and what's APAC? <laughs> you know, so, okay, great. I mean, you know, you know, when you're starting yeah. out, you don't know what you don't know. That's so right. She said, right. Uh, she explained it to me. And in 2016, I went. Um, it was in Chicago. Then in 2017, I went to New York. 2018, I went to New York. And I thought, okay, I'm building it up, you know. And my wife at the time says, honey, how much longer till you get famous? And I said, well, it's going to be a while, babe, before I'm famous. I said, but I just got this feeling that it's going to turn around. I, I, I don't know why. I mean, it's just one of the things you think, you know. And I got a standard email from um, one of the young ladies, casting director at, at Tantor Audio. And she said, hey, Rodney, we're, um, we're trying to find out you know, get reestablish everybody's sound. We just want everybody that's on our roster to to give us a piece of their work. Just, so give me something you've done recently. And and in between time, I stayed pretty busy on ACX. I was pretty lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I have, and I'll talk, remind me, I'll talk about the horror writer that lives here in Tennessee that is basically writing work for me now, specifically. Wow. Um, and, that's the gig? Um, yeah, it is. And I, uh, I, you know, we, I thought, okay, so let's go. Well, I came up here and I just got two minutes of what I had done that morning in a, in a wave file and I sent it to her. I'm sitting at lunch and sitting in front of the television and daughter's at elementary school and I get a text. Hey, um, we have this book we'd like you to consider doing. Can you have time to do it? Well, it's a Western. I almost jumped out of my skin. I thought, okay, that cool. When you were doing your email, oh, sure. I think I can plug that into my production <laughs> schedule. Yeah, I'll keep I it cool. So, you know, uh, let me check my calendar and I'll get right mm-hmm. back with you. You yeah. know, I responded yes, you know, and it was number two in a series. And I thought, okay, this is strange. So I asked, I said, do I need to listen to number one? Or I said, um, you know, or is, does it matter? Is this, you know, she said, no. And since you can do number two, can you do three through six too? I thought, I looked at my wife. I went, well, I'm kind of famous. You know, I said, at least, <laughs> at least I'm getting paid now. So, right. you know, it, it, all just, right. it all just came together. And, and I've been busy with them at a minimum one book a month from them, sometimes yeah. two, and sometimes more if I can stuff it in. And like I said, I've got this um, author who lives um, out in uh, near Smith County, um, his name's Ronald Kelly. He writes horror books, but they're all based in some small fic- fictional town in ten- in Tennessee, mm-hmm. and they're mostly based on you know kind of a coming of age children, grandpa that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I I asked him very simply. I said, "Do you want to pay me per finished hour? Or would you like royalty share?" He said, well, I have to do royalty share because I don't have the money to pay you. I said, okay, well, I've got two books that so far in royalties have paid me probably five times what I would have gotten if I had just gotten the money outright. Mm-hmm. And, and now he's starting to write this Cowboy Zombies series that's, that's just really cool. And um, I've done two of them, and he's in the middle of writing three, four, and five. And um, he's now writing a sequel to one of my other, one of his other very successful audio books. And um, it's just, you know, I mean, it's, it's been fun. Like Troy and I like, and and like we say down here in South, I feel blessed. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. That is awesome. Let me ask you this real quick. So, and and again, I've never done an audio book, but I mean, looking at like GVAA and stuff like that, as far as like rates and whatnot, that audio books can go for there's always an option that you can edit it yourself or you can hire an editor. Do you edit yourself? It depends. I just got, uh, I just got a a job earlier in the year. I'm going to say it was summertime. I, you know, you get emails, Hey, we'd like to have you do our book. And I thought, Hmm, never heard of you. So I do my research and that's probably, that's probably the thing, single most important task to be able to master in audiobooks is to be able to research. Number one, research who's asking you offering you work to make sure they're legitimate number two 
research because when you do your prep, you have to be able to find these pronunciations. You've got to be able to make sure they're accurate because your proofer is not always going to get it right. And you got to make sure you are. So, um, you know, you've got to do that research. And I've, they called me, I set up a zoom. They're legitimate. Um, they set up a zoom, the two of them with the author. We chatted like we're doing right now. We talked about my part of the book and it's a, it's a fairly long book, but they're using more than one narrator and I'm doing the first part. Naturally, the first part is like in the late 18, mid 1800s, 1840 to post civil war area era. And then somebody else takes on and moves on. And he said, so I need to know your age. I said, well, I have two. I have Rodney narrates and then you do all post-production. And then there's Rodney narrates and takes care of all post-production. And he said, okay, what's post-production? So I explained Mm -hmm. it to him. You got to have somebody proof it. Then you have to have it fix it. Then you have to have it edited. Then you have to have it mastered to proper standards. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, we'll take number two. I said, all right. So, you know, I, I do sometimes. I'm, I'm fortunate. I taught my wife uh, to proof. Um, it's my, it's the funniest thing in the world when she started because she would always giggle when she found a mistake. <laughs> you made a mistake, Mr. Perfect. So, you know, it's just kind of giggles, you know, her and my daughter both kind of laughing. Ah, daddy made a mistake. So, you know, I'm thinking, well, they happen, you know, it's one of the right. Um, But she's also... Uh, and I, I, I laugh when this. she kind of picks the fly poo out of the pepper, so to speak. I mean, she's really detailed. And I, I'm like, and so when I do my pickups, I go, yeah, I'm not redoing that one. I just won't tell her. And yeah, I'm not redoing that one either. We're just going to move <laughs> on. So, I mean, it's just one of those things. Now, for a publisher, I don't care what they send me. Um, I fix everything, even mm. if I think it's now, even if they think it's wrong. And I'll give you an example. So because I do a lot of cowboy work, I get a lot of Indian names. Mm-hmm. And S-H-O, S-H-O-N-E, a lot of white Americans pronounce it Shoshone. And it's actually Shoshone. And that's how it's pronounced by Webster. And that's how it's pronounced by the chief of the tribe when you Google him on YouTube. So I figure if the tribe chief knows how to pronounce it, then I think I'll pronounce it his way. So I did it that way in one of the first books. And even the Tantor proofer said, hey, it should be pronounced like this. So I did my pickup with Shoshone, and then I emailed them, and I said, okay. My Webster says S-H-O, S-H-O-N-E is Shoshone. Plural ends in an I, and then it's Shoshone. Here's my YouTube video of the chief saying his tribal name, but I've also made you the pickup. You get to decide. Well, they decided to keep it my way and the tribal chief's way. And I got at least three reviews. Well, the book was great, but he don't know how to pronounce Shoshone. It ain't Shoshone, it's Shoshone. Golly, get somebody to pay attention. And I thought, well, if you'd pick up a dictionary, you'd know too. But That's it's, hilarious. you know, it's it's little things like that yeah. that I think both set audiobooks apart from, from you know, 15-second spots. But, and and it's just an immersion. I'm in a, I'm in a book now that's... Uh, that I know is a series because I've already got, I've already got number two that's scheduled for May. So it's, uh, and it's, and it's a great Western written by people, um, uh, another uh, author and actually the niece of a very famous uh, Western author, William W. Johnstone, his niece, J.A. Johnstone lives in Murfreesboro and um, she, she did their Tantor has most of his titles and, I'm fortunate to get a lot of them. And this one happens to be um, a really, really good, another really, really good, well-written Western. And I think that's the other thing that, that you will get as you progress through your career. Better work will come your way when it's time for you to get it. Yeah. A lot of my early work, I thought, okay, I can make this sound good. That's, that's what I'm supposed to do. But then when you get work like this, or this work I know I'm getting from Ronald Kelly, it's just a joy to sit down and prep it because you get excited about, oh man, I can't wait to do this guy's voice and I can't wait to do this character and it's going to be fun. And then, you know, you learn your techniques from your coaches and others and your peers for 
tracking all that and using technology to your advantage. And then, like I said, you manage the rhythm of your home, the rhythm of your neighborhood, figuring out which time is best for you to, to record. And then you tell the story and it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Well, Jay, you're talking about uh, the post-production and the mastering process. I'm, I, the bo- audio books I did are, were with ACX and I know their <laughs> standards are the standards when you send your finished product to Tantor, are they different or are they similar to the ACX finished standards? I have a, the slightest idea. That's the beauty of Tantor. <laughs> you know, I send them, I send them wave files. I load wave uh-huh. files on a, I load uh-huh. wave files on an FTP site and yeah. then they have somebody proof it. They oh, send great. me correct. They send awesome. me my list Excel spread, Excel spreadsheet of correction. Uh-huh. And they send me a highlighted manuscript where, the sentences they need me to redo. And then they send me a voice match reel, which has my mistake so I can listen to it. And I can hear the voice I use, the character. Mm-hmm. If it's, I mean, I don't have to worry about it if it's neutral narration, but if it's in character, then I get to hear how I did that character so that when I redo it, I redo it in the same character's yeah, voice. Right, yeah. right. And then, yeah. then I put that voice match file together in, in one wave file with like five seconds in between each each spot and then i load it back up to the ftp file send them an invoice and 10 days later boom money just shows up in your bank like that <laughs> nice that's nice. the way to Amazing be right? nice. yeah. Yeah. you talk you were talking about uh, pronunciations i do a uh and i've done somewhere in the neighborhood of four thousand youtube narrations since i started in this crazy business and a lot of that was in my early days to learn i mean that was one sure. of the best teaching things i've ever right. done and i still have one um, channel left is called Space Matters, and uh, Troy's a space cowboy. Yeah, they call me the space cowboy. Yeah, sure. But any, <laughs> anyway, uh, I had done a couple of couple of things with them, and they had all these dinosaur names. And like you know, like you, I'm researching. I'm going to Euglish. I'm going to wherever to make sure I get these right. And fortunately, they were they were fine. Everything went good with that. Well, then I got to one a few weeks ago, or it was longer than that, a few months ago, and it was talking about the moons of when I went to school. It was the moons of Uranus. We all said Uranus, That's right? Right. That's it. Yep. So they came back and wanted me to say Uranus. I did it. I re-recorded everything and said Uranus, and all the comments on the YouTube yeah. channel were they were, were making fun of the way I said, it. yeah. Making fun of the and, and I said, why can't we say it the other way? He said, because people snicker at it. They think it's yeah. funny. And yeah. Well, they, it is know, funny. That's, yeah, probably, it is. that's probably why the scientist that discovered it named it that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because how often can you look up in the sky and right. go, hey, there's Uranus. There's yeah. Uranus. Yeah. I oh, did that to my it. mom when I was seven. And, well, I don't remember much after that. But it's still funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Talking well, about hey, the bright moon of Uranus. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It's still funny. Listen, it's Christmas time. We get fun. to sing about. That's right. Your, where ass are sleeping. You know. That's right. right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Christmas time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, uh, well, I wanted to talk about you know uh, taking breaks because uh, yeah. this is long form. Uh, yeah. What do you? What's your routine? How do you? Do well, my that? routine is very strange because the rhythm of my neighborhood and my home is different. Because mm-hmm. I, I have a I have a full time job. Um, I drive what's called a two car unit for CarMax. I started this uh, Labor Day of 2022. It is the easiest job, easiest job <laughs> I've ever had. I I go to work. I drive this big 26 foot, um, uh, 23 foot, 26 thousand pound uh, diesel truck, and I load up to two cars on it and carry them between the four CarMax stores here in uh, Middle Tennessee. Um, and, but my schedule is such that I still, I only work seven days of the 14 day pay period. So the other seven days I'm off, uh, and I have to work 12 hours, 12 hour days. So I work eight to eight. So on a day like today, I'm up around two in the morning. I get in the booth. I kind of do my vocal exercises. I make sure I'm, I'm hydrated. And then I sit down and I re- I start recording probably anywhere between two twenty and two thirty, and I'll record on an off day. Um, I try to get at least an hour to an hour and a half of finished audio. And I can do that in one sitting without having to worry about taking a break. And once I get that done and I just, I keep it all, I keep it all on a little post-it note. I just write down each chapter, how much it was. And I keep, keep the running tab on how long it was. And then once I know I reached that, you know, 60 to 90 minutes, 
if I'm feeling good and I'm on an off day and I can hear in my booth. Um, the good thing is with, with this U87, I can hear a net fart in a second, the first floor. So, you know, I'm, I mean, if I hear the dog or my wife moving around or my daughter gets up, I go, okay, it's just time for me to stop recording. That's just kind of silly. But um, if I feel like I can go ahead and do one more chapter, I'll look and I keep it written down on a, a small pad and I'll say, okay, that's 10 more pages. That's probably going to be another 13 minutes, about a half hour. Yeah, I can do another half hour. That's okay. Or if I feel like I'm done at 58 minutes, yeah, I'll just be done for the day. And then I'll do that. Now, on work days, if I'm pressing up against a deadline, then I'll do one or two chapters before work. And then I leave the house. I generally leave the house about um, probably 4.30 to 4.45. I stop at the gym, do my thing, um, get a shower, get dressed, and I head to work. I get home uh, on a work day about 8.30, 8.45. And then, because um, I work at the Rivergate CarMax and Troy knows where that is, but mm -hmm. um, I get home and, you know, I touch base with the wife, the daughter. Hey, how's everybody? Shower, get ready for the next day. I'm in bed by nine. Boom, I'm done. Wow. And then and it starts over. So, yeah, it's a, uh, and, and everybody, every audiobook narrator I know has their own routine. Some mm -hmm. get up and have coffee with the spouse, get all the kids off. And then when they get home, now I'm going to record or now I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Um, and everybody's got their own routine and you have to figure out what's going to be for you. One of my coaches, uh, David H. Lawrence, the 17th teaches having a bias for action. If it needs to be done, go ahead and get it done. Don't sit back yeah. and go, eh, I'll do yeah. it tomorrow. You get it done now. Then if something catastrophic happened, and, I, and I'll give you an example. This book is not due till the 12th of December. Today's the fifth. One, two, three. I've got, only got nine chapters left. I can do those and I can be done by Friday. But tonight, if a storm comes through and knocks the power out or Wi-Fi goes out or everything goes haywire, I don't have to go, oh my gosh, I got half the book left because I didn't get started when I should have. Right. Yeah. But you get started on time or you get started early. And Tantor is great about sending you your what I, what they call the recordable copy. They'll send you prep copy, which has everything in the book. Then they send you recordable copy, which only has what they want you to record. They take out the appendix and the index mm -hmm. and anything else and they'll take mm -hmm. out the 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 forward if it's not going to be said they'll take out the dedication they'll take out to to my mother and father who raised me well i mean they take all that stuff out that nobody wants to generally wants to hear mm -hmm. if it's in then it's important to somebody so you got to nail yeah. that part but yeah. you'll go ahead and do those <laughs> things and then then that's all you have to do and if they send it to me and I'm not busy, well, I'm going to get started tomorrow morning because I've got it and I'm not going to, because I've had times when things happen. I've been, you may have something catastrophic happen to your voice, like happened to me in uh, 2020, I guess it was right before COVID. My uh, vocal cords just went out, period. Wow. Um, I could talk, but I couldn't record for more than 10 minutes. Oh. And it would just flat out go down. I had something called, um, some kind of paralysis of my right vocal cord had wow. to go to the bandy vocal clinic had to be under their care from probably March of that year till, uh, probably September or October. I had yeah. three authors that saved their books for me, but wow. you know, Tant Tantor had to move on on a couple to on a couple of copies. And, um, I had to kind of get back in the swing of when my voice finally got back together, but all those things say, don't wait. Go now. You've got time now. Do now and be ahead of the game. And uh, it'll serve you well down the road. If like I'm trying to do, trying to get into another genre, I've been talking to Troy about trying to get into some automotive work. You still have to have that in you of, okay, you sent it to me. You got a deadline. I can knock this out. Boom. I'm done. Right. As opposed to, oh, no, yeah. I don't want I mean, if you're, oh, no, and you ought not be doing the work. Right. You know, you got to love it. 
Um, you talk, you talk about in your routine, uh, doing, um, vocal warmups. I, I'm, you don't necessarily have to do any, but could you maybe give us a description of one or two of those? Cause that was one of the questions that our, our, uh, Erica wrote in about, she said, you know, what's a good vocal warmup or at least maintain two of my, health. two of my favorite vocal health issues. Number one, I use navel, nasal, nasal navage. Um, it's that little battery operated thing. You stick up your nose and it like a, it's like a neti pot. Well, yeah. it's battery, mm-hmm. battery operated, runs salt saline through one side of your nose and out the other. And it all gets caught up in this little thing. That's um, free then. <laughs> and it's, and I started using one and started doing the neti pot first in 2018 after Tantor hired me. And since then, I've never been sick. Wow. I've never had a sore throat. I did wow. get COVID, but I, nothing else has ever happened. And I, ne- huh. I navage every morning. Now, my wife bought me a Navaj last Christmas, and I've used it every single day since then, and I still don't have a problem. And the other thing I got from one of my uh, vocal therapists, it's a cup of water with a straw in it. And what I will do is I will blow through it where it will blow the water like I'm like you're blowing bubbles as a kid. Yeah. But also, because I'm a singer, uh, um, just at church, but I will start low and go high and go back through this through the through the octaves and that will that can and will and i've seen it reset your voice to um uh, a more neutral location where if you get your voice gets tired and you still have let's say i've got two more pages i need to get done i can go to this i can blow Hmm. set it down and just go back to recording for that two pages and now i'm done now i know it's time to rest that's super awesome. interesting Thank i have you. a resistance uh, exercise yeah. that offers yeah. resistance blowing exactly. through the straw now i will yep. tell you that one of the coolest things to do and i bought it is uh, rodney salisbury has a uh, tongue twister thing that he does vocal exercises vocal warm-ups and it's he's got a whole book of them and it's the, yeah, they're they're very very cool and he's a cool guy too neat neat well, Jay, I'm curious questions. about, uh, yeah, I'm curious about when you first get a book and how you come up with the characters. You started the the show talking about how you your most important job is to make the author the hero right. of the story. Right. So the author has the idea of what the characters are in their mind. How do you match up with the author? Do you Do you work with the author on that? Do you just go through some descriptions they've written down to come up what? with the characters? If they didn't put it in the book, then they didn't put it in the book and it's yeah. not important to them. But yeah. when they put it in the book with the um, whatever the attributions are, you know, even if it's he whispered, she whispered, those kind of things, you, those are still important, but they're not as important. So what I do when I first get the book, I'll get a yellow legal pad and I'll write the title of the book down and then I'll just begin reading it like I'm doing it for leisure. I doing it as because I'm enjoying the book and enjoy the story. Every time I get to a character, I write the character's name down. Then to the right of that, I will write down attributions or um, common traits that the author has told me is that character. I will also make notes of how other characters in the book feel about that character. And sometimes how that character feels about themselves because the author will tell you. And the key is, as Johnny Heller would tell you, characters in a book don't know their characters in a book. They (laughs) think they're real. So you've got to remember that and you've got to play that. So, you know, when, when I'm playing the Mexican bandit, well then I'm going to be the bad guy and I'm going to put it on them. And if, you know, I'm playing a Scottish mountain man then i've got to do that as well but i don't i don't quote unquote do accent mm-hmm. i i give a touch i give a hint and that way it's not about me and my abilities it's still about the story because right. listeners can suspend that you know yeah. realize you know the reality for a minute and go okay this guy's not scottish but that was enough for me to know that that's what that character's doing so you and and once you get through it all, I just have notes with what I'm going to do, and then I keep them with me in the booth. And so, and if I know it's a series like the one I'm doing now, 
I will set apart in on my my Mac. I will set apart a file that will have character voices, and I'll name the character, and I'll give them a. It'll be ten to fifteen to eighteen seconds of dialogue that I gave that voice to that per that character. And then if down the road he shows back up in book three and he hadn't been there since book one, I can go back to book one and go, oh, there he is. That's where I put him. That's, <laughs> That's the, play, the placement in my mouth, yeah. uh, the placement in my head, um, how deep in my chest, or mm -hmm. was it a female? Did I give it a little softer, softer touch? Or was oh, it a child? Yeah. Was it a yeah. child? And do I have to give it a little um, whimsy? Do I have to give it a little more innocence? So you um you learn all these things you learn them and if you have really good coaches like i've had i've been really fortunate to have some of the best coaches in the world you get to do this and have fun at it at the same time and get paid pretty decent i was going to ask about female characters too mm -hmm. because you know i i've listened to a number of audiobooks my wife listens to audiobooks and sometimes they just go way too far trying yeah. to if a male's mm -hmm. doing a female or a female's doing a male character and it just yeah. it loses your opportunity as a listener to use your imagination and, and get in the story. Yeah. So what I do, the first the first most important voice to me is the neutral narration voice. Mm -hmm. Then it's the hero. You know, it's the main character. Those are probably the two closest voices because they're going to be closest to mine and they'll mm -hmm. be easiest to get in and out of. Then I have to pick where I go. I don't do generally high-pitched voices, but I'll do softer and I'll pitch it up a little. Mm -hmm. So if I'm doing dialogue and it's a guy and he's going to, if you don't move or I will shoot you, you have to understand that's the way it's going to be because I don't care that you're a girl. But, but it wasn't me. It was him. I didn't, I didn't do that. So it's really me, but it's, it's mm -hmm. enough. It's enough contrast between the characters that he or she is talking with that you can discern that there's different people talking. Right. Right. And don't shoot her, Rodney. Don't shoot her. Yeah, don't shoot her. <laughs> Ever. He did it again. All them harlots are the same. <laughs> the, the complication of all of that, and I feel so bad thinking that the three of us are complaining every day that they're asking for real conversational, right? Not, <laughs> not, not announcery, and and not I remember all that. Yeah, stuff. I don't ever have to worry about announcery. Yeah, yeah. That's you true. talked about meeting um, people, you know, maybe other or no, at least knowing other audiobook narrators. Um, the way we sure. formed this podcast in the first place is that we're an accountability group. Did you find sure. it beneficial to meet other audiobook narrators? And if if so, what was maybe one or two things that really stood out about meeting other audiobook narrators that helped you in any way? Well, a, a couple of things was okay. Everybody's going through the same struggle. It's not just me. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you, you're new at one point, but then you have, you know, a little success. And as long as you're reliable, you'll continue to have success. I mean, I, I'm just, I just happened to be one of those guys. And, and I was brought up in mm -hmm. South Florida. Okay. I was a Miami boy, born, bred, and buttered in Miami. And my mom and dad took us to church every day, Southern Baptist. So I've got a real strong faith and foundation. It's not one I carry on my sleeve or wave like a flag, but I hope to set an example for how you're supposed to treat folks. And mm -hmm. if, if you see my faith through that, then I'm, I'm satisfied with that. Um, so when I sit down and talk to others and I find out that they are going through similar trials and tribute, oh, I'm never going to get a book. I just tell them the work that belongs to you, I promise will come to you. It's going to come to you. You know, Bob Sauer, one of my favorite narrators and a really good friend, he he only does nonfiction. And he'll tell you, I only do nonfiction. I don't do character voices. That's it. If you don't have nonfiction for me, then I probably don't have anything to say to you. Now, he does some <laughs> e-learning and he does some yeah. commercial work. But for the most part, he's a nonfiction narrator and mm. he is busy all the time. He's done the Bible four times. Wow. And his first audiobook was the Bible. Wow. Wow. Ever. Yeah. So yeah. 
And he's, he, and you know, he, he got his start. He was working for Billy Graham. So, wow. you know, I mean, that's, that's how he got his start, but he'll tell you that when, when he won't, when he gets done, he'll say, Lord, thank you for this book. Please send me another. I mean, and that's it. I mean, he, you know, yeah. Yeah. he's not, a, I mean, he'll do his marketing. He'll do things like that. And I do. I mean, Troy and I have talked about marketing because, you know, that's going to be a big deal if I can get into automotive. So you still have to know how to do it. But in audiobooks, it's different. They, you know, casting directors and audiobook publishing houses, they don't want you sending them stuff once a week. They don't want you sending them stuff. They, you know, once a quarter, maybe once every four months, that's good. But they don't want to know that you're bit, that you have availability in, in a month. They need to know what you're doing six months to seven months out. Yeah. Because they're already booking for May, June, and July. They're not booking for tomorrow afternoon. Mm. Now, I like to tell them, that's cool. But I've always carved out some time in my production schedule. In case you have one come across your desk that needs to be done right away, I'll make time for you. I'll try to push some stuff aside. And, you know, that's, you just have to have that flexibility. But yeah. the, um, the, the marketing is still still strong but the most important thing about marketing as an audiobook narrator is you do have to go to APAC at least once even if it's virtually so you can meet now I was telling Troy um, when we were on the Zencaster that um, I've got Friday this Friday I have my first opportunity at what's called quick pitch quick pitch is an APA uh, replacement for what was used to be called at APAC speed dating you would go in this giant room <laughs> with with 18 or 19 tables in it and producers and casting directors are all sitting at the table from different publishing houses well everybody would get sent in and everybody would sit down at the table and they would tell you the rotation you get four minutes and boom ding bell went off everybody up next table boom go just like speed dating but what you're doing is you're talking to a producer you're talking to them you're telling them what you're good at blah 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 well, quick pitch has now become a virtual speed dating, but mm -hmm. it's lottery and they only pick 24 and they probably do it three times at three or four times a year. So I've tried for six times. This finally I got in. So now Friday I'll have two or three minutes to pitch myself, tell them my story, answer any questions. And then they'll say, thanks. See you later. And that's it. And you might get an email. You might not. But for the most part, you're now putting your voice in front of people who you've never been able to put your voice in front of. Right. And I happen to be one who's like Bob Sauer. I just tell him, look, I'm your cowboy. I mean, if you don't want me doing Westerns, well, then you don't want me. If you think my Southern accent that everybody in the industry obviously believes I have, but everybody <laughs> in my family thinks I don't have, then okay, I'm sorry. But I'm not getting rid of my Southern accent. It's, it, it is what it is. And I am yeah. who I am. I'm not ever going to try to be somebody else. Mm. And I tell people all the time, I can't be Scott Brick. I can't be Johnny Heller. And I can't be Sean Pratt. But they can't be me either. That's true. If Johnny yeah. Heller tried to be me, he'd, he'd pull something. <laughs> you know? He'd strain a ligament. <laughs> if, he, you know, if he tried to do my voice. But you know, I can't do that stuff that, that those guys do, but yeah, the, everybody has their place. Mm -hmm. Everybody has their place. Amazing. Amazing stuff. This is so cool to me because of all the resistance I've had for three years that I don't think I would ever do a book. Now he's got me thinking. Yeah, it's going to whip my appetite again to do. I, I, <laughs> I get the, you know, yeah, I get the storyteller time. I get yeah. the storyteller thing all the time, and, and mm -hmm. I get that with reads, and especially long form. Sure. I did a thing for Ohio University a few weeks ago to, to inaugurate a new president, and they were talking about how you know there were a 1,000 people in there, and the guy said there was not a dry eye in the room that's you know, right. when, we, when we played your narration. And that's the thing. That's what you want. You want to touch right. people. And, and uh, now he's you got just me now curious. have to do it for 12 hours. Yeah. 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 You got me curious. You got me curious. Wow. Uh, I am great curious. Stuff. Uh, uh, Jay, what what's the turnaround you typically are expected to have when uh, you get a new audiobook? Uh, they'll, you know, Tantor is. Uh, for, I'm fortunate they they give me plenty of work. They're the only publisher that I I regularly work for. I've worked for Dream. I've worked for Dreamscape 
um, a couple of times and I've had a couple of other indies, but for the most part, if it's about a, it depends on how long the book is, how long is it going to take you to get me the prep prep copy? Are you sending me the final copy? I mean, are you going to add or take away from it so that I'll know what I'm supposed to do? Does it have footnotes that, you know, if it's nonfiction, does that footnotes you want me to read or footnotes I can eliminate so that I can tell how many words it's going to be and then how long it's going to be. So the kind of the rule of thumb is 9,300 words to one finished hour. So, and I'm right now at about two and a half hours for one finished hour of, of copy. So um, like this book I'm doing now, it's probably going to come in at 11 to 12 hours. Um, so I gave them, I gave them a kind of a two week to 10 day, um, 14 day schedule that, that gives, that gives me fudge factor because I know that, that if I'm, if I'm strong and my voice is strong and I can do an hour and a half every day, then, you know, eight or nine days and I'm done. But I've also got four or five days of wiggle room in case something happens. And I'll give you one example. If it rains in, here in my studio, my studio is in the second floor. It's also on an outside wall and the roof mm -hmm. is right over the head. So when it yeah. rains, you hear it. you're not recording unless you just right. happen to want to record noise, yeah. you know, rain noise hitting the roof. It's louder That's, than the gnat fart. Yeah, much louder, especially <laughs> this close because the gnats generally only fart on the first floor. <laughs> <laughs> One of those things, you know. But, um, you know, those are the those are the things that, you know, you just, you know, you got to you got to know. You got to know your neighborhood. You got to know yeah. your family. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I, the, the two things that I can't control here the most, and you probably get them too, because we're in some kind of helicopter flight path. Oh, yeah. There's a, uh, there happened as your, your favorite retired air traffic controller, there is what's called a visual route um, that the uh, Army in Clarksville um, uses um, mm -hmm. that actually flies right over my house. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. But I the good thing too. is, most of the time they do it at night. And they don't have their lights on because they're trying to be secretive. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Hey, Daddy, what's that noise? Well, that would be a helicopter doing training, darling. They'll be done in a minute. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. I mean, Occasionally during the day, Occasionally. but you're right, mostly yeah. at night. And the, and the other night. things I can't control here, they're, um, I'm, I don't know how many hundred yards I am away from 174, but uh, there's a hill right over there and everybody has to accelerate up that hill yes. and if it's a truck with yes. a loud muffler i'm going to get that yeah. um, i'll get a, yes, i'll get sir. some some dogs barking mine if the ups guy's anywhere near and they hear him i got to deal with that and and across the road they farm uh yeah. they put it in corn or soybeans and that's right. usually only about four days out of the year you know it's when they put it in and when they right. take it out not too bad but i'm with you being out in the country does help it does. Some. It does yeah. help some. That's yep. another reason I record between two and six, because right around four thirty is when everybody's running up Dobbins Bike to head to Gallatin Road, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, head to the next city yeah. to go to work. Because that's yep. a major thoroughfare. And it they, is. Yeah, you know, they it drive is. right by here and off for the races. But yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I've still yeah. got probably a good two tenths of a mile worth of hay field that I don't have to worry about. There you go. Lots there of space. Lots of space between me and them. <laughs> Have you guys got other questions? I mean, I know we could go on for another probably, hour. but uh, this has been so good. Yeah, I was I'm gonna say like we this can is do this honestly as often probably as you want. Well, boys. yeah, we We're, we do we'll try do to it keep again them for sure. Yeah, well, we should honestly. We might have to just because I I was just messaging the guys. I was like, man, I feel like we could just keep going and going. And I and I think a lot of that is because we really don't do that kind of work and. Plus, right. the way you say things is just so nice. Um, but uh, well, uh, audiobooks come in series, so interviews might yeah, I mean, as well come in series right. too. We could that's do right. that, you know, audiobook yeah. once a month. You never right, know. That's there right. you go. Yeah. Um, but no, this has probably been the most interesting uh, episode, in my opinion, at least for me, uh, as far as when we've had a guest on. And it's just because I probably know so little about it. I can't mm. say that I necessarily want to get into audiobooks, but that's just because a personal preference. But I love sure. hearing your, your what yeah. you've got to say about it, your story. How you got into it and just your process super interesting and i i have no doubt our writer uh erica who wrote in she's gonna be so glad that she tuned into this episode well and and, yeah. and just so everybody out there that's listening knows if you want to get into audiobooks and it's something you just want to chat to somebody about you can email me at rodney at jrodneyturner.com 
I will set up a Zoom session for you. It will not cost you a dime. And you can ask That's me awesome. any question you want about anything you want about Wonderful. audiobooks. And I'll and I'll take as much time as you want to answer those questions. It's it's you know, it's not it's not for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. but if if it's something that you think, hey, I really want to learn about it, email me. We'll chat. It doesn't cost you a dime. Um, it's my way of giving back. I've got some of the coolest coaches in the world, and uh, they've done me uh, many, many favors. And it's my turn to to help somebody that you know wants to learn. Love well, it. Then the one last question has to be sure, because man. you've been, you've been doing this a long time. You've got a lot of books on your belt. Are you are you thinking maybe you may start coaching down the road? Or I don't. You know, I don't think I'll ever coach. I mentor. I mm, mentor yeah, a lot. Yeah. Okay. I'm right but, there with you. But I feel performance coaching. I think performance coaching takes a whole nother special mm-hmm. kind of person. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, I had, if I had four or five Audi awards and numerous earphone awards, like most of my coaches have, I might consider it. Mm-hmm. But I think, let me say it this way. When I do anything, when I, whether I'm working um, on my books um, uh, or I'm, interacting with other other narrators or other voice actors i think to myself am i making my coaches proud are they are they saying i coached that guy i don't want them to go oh my gosh you taught him that i mean you know i i I want to (laughs) i want to i want to honor the time and Mm -hmm. effort and work that they've spent on me Right. Even though right. I paid them, right. I mean, I've, I've paid them, but I can tell you many of them have given me, a, and I'll give you an example. When I was coming back from my vocal issues, I needed to record something and have people I trusted. I reached out to three of my coaches, Carol Monda, Johnny Heller, and Sean Pratt. I sent them all the same file. And I said, you guys know me as well as anybody. Tell me what you hear. And without fail every one of them said this is how you sound and this is what and i thought johnny heller even told me you sound like you're talking in the front of your mouth now instead of the back and i was stunned Mm. because that's exactly what my therapist told me was one of my problems talking back here in my throat was what's causing a lot of my vocal issues when you start talking in more in the front of your mouth where your teeth are then you, yeah. you don't put as much stress on your vocal cords. Mm-hmm. So when he said that, I thought, well, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do because he could hear it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I mean, for coaching, I don't have that. Now, I coach for two people. I coach for David Lawrence, uh, the 17th, and his VO Heroes group. Um, sometimes I, I've had to, I had to step out um, about a year ago because um, things just got too busy around the house and the farm. And I coach for Christy Bowen at uh, TN, the TNVO mm-hmm. Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, but I only do how to get started in audiobooks. Right. And almost everything right. I do is about audiobooks. So it's, it's never about coaching in any other form of VO. Mm-hmm. And it's never about performance coaching. I tell yeah. you what, mm-hmm. you know, what holes to miss, how to, you know, smooth out the bumpy roads yep. and, you know, how to find work and how to avoid some pitfalls with ACX and how to do research because that's one of the most important things. That's a big help to me to hear that because I've always had trouble defining to other people. I even had a coach ask me one time, he said, are you coaching? I said, no. He said, well, if you were, I'd have to tell you, I can't coach you anymore because you're, you know, how do I know you're not coaching mama? And and I agree with them. I understand it. And I'm with you. I, I like the mentoring. I like taking new people and showing them. I like bringing right. them into a workshop and saying, no, break down the copy this way. I'm not the best at it, but at least can help right. them get over the hump where they, for lack of a better term, so they won't suck when they go try to get work. Exactly. And I'm just trying to bring them along and help them, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, and I, I appreciate hearing that because I, sometimes I struggle with, am I doing the wrong thing by helping sure. people? I don't want to give people the wrong idea. I don't want right. to coach. I don't want to coach. I just want to right. help and mentor. And I think that's great. Well, and, and, we, and, want, and you know, we started this podcast to be a help as well. Yeah. And I exactly. tell people all the time, it, I feel a little goofy. If I start taking money from you and all I'm doing is telling you what my coaches told me. Right. That's right. all I'm doing. Right. I'm just right. telling you what my coaches yeah. told me. I'm not, I'm not, right. I'm not reinventing the wheel here. 
Right. Now, We're not yeah. reinventing the wheel. And, and that was what I asked one of those coaches who said that to me. I said, but you learned it from somebody else also. So it's, you know, it's right. just, it just keeps churning <laughs> yeah. and going around, you know, it's, yeah. it's all the same information, but it's all presented differently. And that's sure. what I find is I've had one coach try to teach me something and I didn't get it because of the way he taught it. And the next one taught me the same thing in a different way. And the bell goes off boom, and boom, that's boom, what right. it takes. That's what it takes. Yeah. It hey, Rodney, we won't hold you up any longer. I know the Mexican I'm, restaurants open and I'm waiting. Good. It's about that time. And, Not for uh, this boy <laughs> not today Me either. Me i'm at either. home with a 16 year old doing doing uh, 10th grade math that's what's oh, next there you there go. You go. <laughs> uh, that's when i really say bless your heart because I, I, uh, my, a my youngest plus b squared equals c squared yes it does. And, and, and i pulled i pulled uh, i pulled your routine i've got a couple kids at one's 40 one's 38 and then i've got my other one that's about to turn 20 so I did, I, I know what you're going through. I, yeah. I, I did it at 40 instead of 50. And, and, uh, I don't know if I could have done it at 50, but that's well, I'm 50 now. I can't imagine doing uh, that. I can't. I'm, I'm very can't fortunate. I've got really good health. I've got a there great wife go. and yeah. that's and, what it takes. And yeah. it's, yep. uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm it not 50. I don't have kids and my schedule's <laughs> wide open. So in your face, yeah, guys. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. And he <laughs> still has hair too. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thanks. <laughs> well, listen, thanks so much for joining us. Um, You're welcome. Uh, you, you, and I have, yeah. you and I have still got to do lunch or we something will. sometime. We we'll will. It'll it. happen. And, and after the first year, when you're ready, we'll jump into all this other stuff. All right, buddy. And start we working on it. Uh, for Jake, for Alden, uh, for uh, Jay Rodney, thanks for joining us, everybody. We really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of It's Another VO Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also email us your questions to anothervopodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at anothervopodcast. See you next time.